snap. Okay, so today on Snap, we meet Brody Young. And Brody Young has one of those jobs for which only the truly tough should apply. He's a state park ranger at a place called Dead Horse Point, deep in the canyonlands of southern Utah. And the thing is, when you're a ranger in those parts, it also means that you're the law enforcement. Now Brody, of course, he takes that part of the job seriously. But his real love, his first love, is the desert, the canyons, the rivers, the place. Snapchat. So let's talk about the stars that come out at night. You can see all the stars. It's just so clear and so dark. It's considered dark sky country. And when the sun rises and you go, uh, you know, on the cliff's edge, up at Dead Horse Point, you can see mountain ranges that are 100 at 150 miles away. It's just desolate and vast. And if you don't go out prepared, um, it's going to bite you. I've recovered a lot of bodies, um, whether they were on the river, you know, or got lost in those canyons and they just weren't prepared. So you're, you're, you're putting yourselves on a, on a, on a tightrope and it's easy to fall. In Desolation Canyon on the Green River, there's a few places you can go see uh, a skull, which is odd, isn't it? But someone dies in the desert, they're gonna stay there for a long time before they're found. And some people uh, choose to go die alone in a beautiful place. That happens actually kind of frequently. And that's, that's something I have a hard time understanding. How can life get so bad that you want to end it? November 19th, 2010, I was on patrol. I was on a, uh, an extra shift. I'd worked that day, but there was some overtime money available. And it's a really warm warm night. It's kind of the warm before the storm. Then I went down uh, this Colorado River corridor to these trailheads to see if anyone is still up onto the trails. And uh, the first trailhead I went to was Poison Spider Mesa Trailhead. So I found this lone car in the kind of back of the parking lot and it was parked really awkward-like. I was worried someone would be out on the trail still that hadn't made it back. It was kind of late, and uh, late in the season, too. So I couldn't see a plate, and I kind of rolled up to it and turned on my overhead white lights and um, got out of my truck and walked around to the driver's side, and I see this lump in the back seat. And I think, oh, man, someone, someone's sleeping in there. And so I knock on the window, and, you know, I knock on it several times. And this gentleman wakes up and he opens the door and I tell him who I am and, and ask if he's okay. And then he said he was and then we talked about where he could go camp because camping wasn't allowed in that parking lot. And he was in a sleeping bag. So I didn't get a good look at his face. His face today still doesn't mean much, but I needed to get some ID on him. And he doesn't have any or doesn't want to give me ID, so I asked him to wait there, and I walked back to my truck. And I looked back once, which is what you're supposed to do when you're on a traffic stop. 
but my night vision was blinded from the lights. And I couldn't hear anything but the noise of the truck. But just as I got to my truck door and just as I was about to get in, that's when the first shot rang out. It hit, hits me in my left arm. I'm left-handed. It shatters, and, man, I screamed out. And I turn, and I just see muzzle flash. And him advancing on me, firing one shot after the other. Three more rounds hit my back. Two of those rounds were stopped by the vest, but the third round broke through and went into my vertebrae. I fell to the ground at that point, and he is just standing right over me, hitting me with round after round. There was a lot of gravel bouncing around. Eventually, he stops. And then um, I had this moment. It's a terrible cliche, but it was either you lay down and die or you get up. And man, I wanted to live. So I got up. It startled him and he ran to the front of my truck and I ran to the back of mine. And in the meantime, I'm looking at my left hand and I'm telling it to grab the gun, but it won't grab the gun, it won't move. And I finally just said, to myself, you idiot, use your other hand. And that's when I began firing back at him through the windows of my truck. I was also counting uh, my rounds because I knew my reload was going to be with my arm dangling. Ah, non-traditional. So I released the mag and put the gun between my legs. And I used my bumper to, to chamber around and I began shooting more. I fired um, in all about 24 rounds and then he raises his hands and I stop shooting. And he says, you got me. And then I began to go unconscious. I woke up a short time later. Um, I was laying on my back and I kind of raised my head and looked down my body to see my truck running and um, I noticed his car was gone. And then I thought to myself laying there, no one knows I'm here. I didn't notify anyone that, that I was out checking on this car. I had been, been shot nine times and I knew that the only way I was going to get help is if I got to that truck radio. But I did not feel right inside. Um, I felt very heavy, like someone had poured concrete on me. Uh, my right leg was numb. My left arm was numb. And it was really hard to move. And I slowly began just rolling onto my stomach, rolling onto my back, towards my truck. And this took some time. It felt like forever. And, you know, the exhaust is, is on and it's pouring out. But eventually I reached the front door. 
and the front door was open. Joe, I've always made it a point to get out of my truck, leaving that door open. I've just always felt like I should. And I leaned up against it, reached for the radio, and said, Price, 12 six 69 I'm a poison spider mace at Trailhead. I've been shot. Please hurry. And uh, I didn't know what to do after that. All my training, I just didn't know what to do after that. When the ambulance arrived, it took me to the hospital in Moab. And from there, I was chopper to the hospital in Grand Junction where I underwent emergency surgery. But let me just tell you the damage. Uh, My heart was hit, small intestine, colon, right kidney, liver, diaphragm, left lung, spine, pelvis, left humerus, you know, left triceps muscle, right forearm, right femoral nerves, right hip flexor. And they told me that I shouldn't be alive. Say I died a couple of times during those first few days in surgery. But after I woke up, I eventually got to the point where I asked, where, where's the suspect? So I was told that after I was taken to the hospital, they found uh, the car that he had driven off in, and it was definitely off the beaten path. But they noticed that there was uh, a blood trail that wandered off down the river corridor. And they followed this blood trail uh, for like a mile to uh, a boulder field, and it looked like it had been setting up to ambush anyone who came over the hill because there was a backpack and a 22 rifle and, you know, food and sleeping gear. And uh, he didn't leave a blood trail from that point on, and so the trail went cold. But when they found his vehicle, they ran the license plate and found that it led them to a name of Lance Leroy Ariana. Was there anything in his backpack in the car that his family could tell you anything that would explain why he shot you multiple times in the middle of the night on a routine traffic stop? No, no explanation. Did he have any kind of criminal record? Yeah, it was very minor, nothing violent. So why would someone do this? What would lead them down this path to where shoot a cop and run out into the desert and disappear. Not sure why, but federal and state and local agencies began to search for Lance over an area the size of Los Angeles. There was a river search, sonar capability, a helicopter. Uh, Then there were just a lot of tracking teams, you know, gun in hand and flashlight in the other, crawling through tamarisk bushes that were tall as cottonwood trees. Um, There were a lot of calls. Yeah, we've seen him. I mean, everyone wanted him found, right? And uh, wanted a reward. And a lot of those, well, all of them turned out to be bogus, but um, they checked on all of them. They even went down San Diego and searched to see if he was being very well hidden amongst this motorcycle club. I even thought I saw him uh, a couple of times in town. You know, dark curly hair and he was wearing a hat. Like at the grocery store, I would, you know, go back to that aisle just to walk past and to make sure. 
I don't know if he would recognize me. I didn't really get a good look at him if I would recognize him. But I had a couple of dreams, and both dreams were the same. We were at a party, and then I would see Lance come, you know, out of the corner of the room towards me. He would raise his hand, and he would shoot at me, and then I would shoot back, and he would die. And so one year after another would pass, and that was kind of torturous, not knowing what happened after, you know, he left me for dead and he drove off. Where did he go? I wanted an ending to it. And then Christmas Eve, 2015, we're making uh, little vials of vanilla to give out to our friends. And we, I get a knock at the door, and it's my lieutenant. He says, come outside real quick, and his face is, is not right. So I go out and close the door in my front yard and snow on the ground, and he says, we found him. Two brothers had found the body in a cave, half buried in mud. And I just I broke down. It was just, I just couldn't believe it because I thought uh, he would never be found. And uh, I'll tell you, it's only 400 yards from where the backpack was. He went 400 yards and uh, crawled into this crack of a cave. So I got to see the evidence at the uh, at the sheriff's office, and uh, boy, saw the saw the bones, and it was still in the sleeping bag, but they had it opened, and then um, it was kind of laid out: head, ribs, you know, arms, and it's really hard to determine how he passed away but I imagine he was he was probably scared because when you're hurt and you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's dark and it's getting colder and it's starting to snow you can't warm up you're cold your breathing is is getting worse um, that's got to be the worst feeling in the world and it's probably why he crawled into that cave was just to rest. And there was a letter amongst his stuff, and it was from his daughter. His daughter talked about, we're finally going to be able to spend this Thanksgiving together. And uh, she was really looking forward to it. But he didn't live beyond that night. He just laid down in that cave and didn't get back up. I didn't know him. I didn't even really get a good look at his face. But several times I'm told um, that I just, I, I shouldn't be alive. So I don't know what death feels like, but I guess I know what it feels to get close to it. And uh, lying, lying on the ground before anyone showed up, I felt like I had help by me that night. It was really hard. To, it's hard to describe, Joe. 
But um, all I can say is that uh, there was such a comfort, I don't know, arms wrapped around me that uh, the other side, maybe it's not going to be so bad. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think Lance felt? Do you think he experienced what you experienced? That's a hard question. Um, I, I hope so. I don't know. Maybe some. Maybe someday I'll get to ask the question, but it won't be in this life. Many thanks to Ranger Brody Young for sharing his story to Snap. After a long recovery, he's back to doing what he loves, working as a state park ranger in the deserts of southern Utah. But he's also taking the motivational speaking, helping other people figure out how to survive the unsurvivable. To learn more, we'll have links to his website on our website, snapjudgment.org. The original score for that story is by Leon Morimoto. It was produced by Joe Rosenberg.